interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host here. Glad to have you along. We got uh, we got a pregame that's coming at 10:30, and then a game at 2:30. Let's root those Huskers on. See how they can do against the Fighting Illini. Who'd have thought years ago that playing Illinois, we'd be seven plus point underdogs? Uh, life. It's it's not going to stay that way, folks. But it is that way right now. So let's see what the what the home crowd can do, and uh, get the Huskers over the top. It is always good to have in the studio with me. I think it's been a couple of years uh, or a while since I've had uh, Mark Thornton with me in studio. Has it been a couple of years? Uh, a little over a year. Okay. A little over. Okay. Well. Last summer I was in. All right. A little over. We're going to say 15 months. Yeah. Just just put a number on it. <laughs> and uh, Mark not only is a friend of mine, but uh, Mark is the executive director of a thing called Jacob's Well. Just to refresh us real quickly. We'll talk more about Jacob's Well as time goes on. We'll refresh the audience real quickly on what Jacob's Well is. Uh, Jacob's Well is a ministry downtown Lincoln. Uh, it also works in Haiti. Uh, we exist to meet physical, relational, and spiritual needs of our neighbors. And, yeah, that's about it. Simple, yeah. simple version. You're kind of in the, uh, what would you call that, Capital Neighborhood? kind of Capital neighborhood? View. Ca- capital View. Nice. Yes. You know, there's a winery out by me called Capital View, and you're. I bet our view's a little better. It, it probably is better. It's, <laughs> it's nowhere close to where you are. That's for sure. But it does. It, you know, it's on a hill south of town, so I guess you get a. Yeah. Capital View. <laughs> by the way, at one point, this is a total side note. I was my house is out in the country south of town, and if you, and it's a two story house, and if you go to the second story and you look to the north, you can just barely see at night that red light on the top of the Capitol. And I, so I, you know, I took from that, hey, you can see the Capitol from my house. And so there was a friend visiting the house once we went up, we looked, you know, like, and I'd see that dot over there. And, <laughs> and you'll never, you'll never, I know this, we find this hard to believe, but he mocked me then the rest of the time that we were ever together about how he could see how, well, you can, yeah, you can see the red dot from, <laughs> but, but, but he did things that didn't qualify as actually seeing the Capitol. That's true. Well, you're siding with him? I guess. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, if I, but if I went to your house, would I see more than just a little red dot at the top? My favorite part from our view is there's these, like, the very top, there's these birds. <laughs> but they're like uh, like war birds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Art Deco style. And it's just, it's just, they're surrounding the, at the base of the dome. Nice. You yeah. can actually see that. Oh, yeah. See okay. all those details and. All right. We're two blocks away from it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, by the way, two blocks away, next time I do the Lincoln Half Marathon, I expect you to walk up to six, uh, 16th Street and cheer me on. Maybe, does it come back? I can, No. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be the 7 a.m. guy. <laughs> oh, nuts. Well, let's see. It comes back some direction. Let's see, where does it come back? Uh, 10th Street. 10th Street? 10th Street. So I mean, that might work. How slow are you? I'm slow enough. <laughs> okay. Trust me, slow enough. You'll be awake by then. Uh, so Jacob's Well again, a nonprofit down in the, in that area, uh, a neighborhood presence. And uh, one of the things they did, I know we talked about the last time was the uh, little. Uh, it used to be, I don't, was it ever a library? Or was it always a little pantry? Yep, it was originally a library. Uh huh. And then 
COVID came and yep. what, what happened? Uh, we needed no contact ways to get the food out there. And so started stocking those and that's something we're still doing to this day. So. Yeah. And when I stopped by the other day, there was only a can of black beans in there. So yeah. <laughs> if, if be, then do people, do people sometimes drop off stuff? Yeah. Then... So we stock it once, sometimes twice a day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's neighbors that come by. Um, there's a, a little old lady that walks the block every night and she drops off a potato every night. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of it's neighborhood supporting neighbors, yeah. which is very cool. Yeah. And speaking of the neighborhood, how many years have you been doing the um, the uh, garden, community garden? Is that that's been several years, right? About ten. About ten years. Is that still continuing to to get people who are gardening and bringing home produce and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, it's over. It got moved to Seventeenth and F, mm -hmm. uh, and we work with community crops, and it's on First Presbyterian owns the land and. Uh, helps all the maintenance and stuff. Um, but yeah, there's, I want to say about 20 garden beds over there and each family gets their own bed and they can raise whatever they want and they keep it. And um, Great way to stretch the dollar and a lot of people that don't have yards to garden. So yeah, they're living in apartments and, and need that space. Absolutely. And uh, how hard is it to, how, I mean, how do you how do you even become a part of that? Do you, is there a website, or you just wander in and say, "Hey, I want to do this"? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you stake your claim in, in the spring. Uh -huh. No, you have to you have to go <laughs> work through community crops. They have an application process and mm -hmm. and all that. So they handle kind of the behind the scenes stuff and uh, some of the volunteer things. And we're more of on the ground, and we have a garden there and people that are there almost every day. Do so. you actually garden? Not at all. It's not getting passed on to me. <laughs> Is that? I, I bet I bet your dad or somebody gardens. That is bit. my dad and uh, Adam Mookman. Shout oh. out Adam Mookman. So they are the champions of the garden. Nice, nice. I have a uh, I uh, I have a brown thumb. Yeah. I have a very na famous, notorious brown thumb. So <laughs> you don't want me to be a part of your garden, or I'll just ruin everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you do you like are you do you, are you like me? Do you have the brown thumb or I? Well, I actually worked at Earl May when I was in high school. No way. For about two months. Oh. <laughs> I was the uh, the rose specialist. Ooh. And I got the forklift stuck. Well. So after that, I kind of, I didn't realize how heavy those suckers were. When went off the cement with it. was not good. Oh, boy. I had to, uh, well, all we had was a little uh, Ford, you know, one of those little guys. Yeah. Those trucks to pull it out and, yeah. About to drop the transmission out of that thing, trying to pull out the forklift, and <laughs> yeah, and I moved on. So. <laughs> you did move on, and you've been doing Jacobs Well for how many years now? Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Wow, time flies, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, and a, and a, a, one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about in the next segment, we'll talk about what's going on down in Haiti. But uh, one of the, it's been, I know it's been super hard during COVID. Not COVID. Now we're kind of through COVID, but we're still kind of. I don't know about your ministry, but at my church, we still have aftershocks sometimes of just people out of the habit. How, uh, what percentage of normal, weekly, regular Jacob's Well stuff would you, do you think is back on, back on track? I would say we're, we're mostly back. Mm -hmm. um, the food distributions that we did before COVID, well, I mean, they're done. It's just that that game has changed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we're doing the, the pantries now. Mm. Um, but 
so much of what we do happens on our porch. So you're outside in the open air. You have a little more freedom as far as not having to worry about germs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe when things get cold and we move things back inside, it might might be a little different. But right now, things feel pretty normal. Yes. There, uh, we've talked about this before, and uh, but it's, uh, again... It's something that is so simple and yet is is one of the anchors of your ministry is porch time. Yep. And just explain to the listeners, what do you, what do you mean by porch time? Uh, we believe you can't be a good neighbor if you're never around. Hmm. Um, and so we, I don't know, they call it the ministry of availability or presence and just simply just being. Um, and we have, I mean, there's a lot of people without vehicles down there, so a lot of foot traffic and uh, a lot of just starts off with a, a walk by and a friendly hello, and then the next time it might be a how's your day going, and before you know it, you got a friend. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that all starts with just hanging out, mm-hmm. <laughs> play some music on your phone, maybe smoke a cigar if it's a real nice day, and just <laughs> yep, <laughs> just be open to whatever the the day is going to bring you. So yeah, there or night. <laughs> it's funny until until I knew about you and that method i uh i didn't notice this but now i can't help but notice it when i like i t- i'll take my dog for a walk sometimes in town just because you know whatever it's it's muddy on the trail i live in the country and or there's whatever just i like you know we're on the way to the store or something like that and you can't help but notice how many homes don't have i mean like a real front porch that you could sit on anymore yep it's 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 fairly uncommon yeah, they say that the air conditioner killed the porch. Mm. You didn't need to have space anymore where you could just go and be in the shade and be cool. And uh, then that became, instead of front porches, they were, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, doing back decks. That became mm. the the uh, the new thing. And when you got your fences, and it's harder to connect with people when you're out and behind your house. But Yes. But it's interesting, The uh, some of the newer neighborhoods now, there's... I I feel like there's a little bit of a comeback now, like in the newer houses, like people want to be able to sit on the front porch and see people walking by. Uh, but there was a huge gap there in terms of the design, it seems like. Yeah. What's the, the neighborhood? It's up north of town. It's not the Highlands. It's a... Uh, Fallbrook? Fallbrook. Yeah. It has some super cool new houses that are that craftsman style and mm-hmm. really cool front porches. And Yeah. Yeah, I like the feel of, of that neighborhood. Yeah. I And I... I you know, it's a little thing, but it's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take our first break. When we come right back, I want to talk about uh, some stuff that uh, stuff that happens here has mirrored some of it down in Haiti. And uh, and things have been rough in Haiti, right? For yeah. sure. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a minute. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz. On the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday, uh, talking with Mark Thornton here from Jacob's Well. And uh, Jacob's Well, uh, again, uh, more urban settings and uh, a lot of people walking by the home, the, the ministry of just being available on the porch and everything. And then one of the things that early on, fairly early on in, in the ministry of Jacob's Well, you said it would be nice to. My word's not yours, but to kind of mirror and parallel what you're doing here somewhere else. And yeah. and you landed on Haiti. Uh, tell me about how that originally happened. Um, I had a friend that was working uh, down there in a town called Williamson. With uh, She was at Calvary Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it was a friend of mine and got to be friends with their pastor and I just tagged along with them on a trip um, to do some pastor training seminars and the space they were using was at an orphanage and it uh you know it just for people that have been down there you, you understand like it just hooks you and mm. yeah and so I, I I knew I needed to do something didn't know what that would look like and then I thought well we could take some of our community development principles we use in Lincoln and apply some of those down there and so that's how we got started and built the school and the church and um, moved on and ended up uh, opening up a restaurant and guest house and uh, creating jobs and feeding kids, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. And then chaos kind of and broke then, out. Yeah. Uh, how long ago was that when the uh, when the real uh, political and and uh, uh, chaos broke out? You know, it was. I want to say four years ago. I was. Um, I took a bus to Santa Domingo on the other side of the island to meet up with my cousin and his family just for a little four-day getaway. Um, and we couldn't get back into Haiti because the border was closed mm. and everything was on fire and people were protesting. And um, that was kind of the beginning of it. That was that was about a week-long taste of what now has been going on for over a month mm. um, of just the whole country's locked down. Mm. And back then it was, I think they were mad about uh, the president had been siphoning off aid money and built this $9 million mansion, and um, he's gone. Then we had a new president. Uh, He got assassinated a year ago. Mm. Um, And this prime minister that was put in his place, uh, people are not a big fan of, and the gangs basically control everything. Most Mm. importantly, the, the main oil port. And so they they have control over what goes out, how much it costs. Um, I think the last we paid for diesel was twenty dollars for a gallon of it. Wow. Um, and that's for a country like that, diesel is king. I mean, there's there's no well, almost no power grid. So if you want electricity, you got to have a generator. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when all these you know these main highways are closed and there's no delivery trucks getting around. Um, things like hospitals don't have power anymore. Um, mm. Things like cell cell phone towers, they run on diesel generators. Mm. So when they run out, there's no more phones. Mm. Um, the uh, the big Coligan plant um, last month finally ran out of diesel. So then there goes your major source of clean water for the whole country. Mm. Uh, so it's just kind of been escalating. The kids haven't been able to start school because of the violence. And then kind of the the kicker for it all was cholera came back last month. And so there's a cholera outbreak that's developing. Um, And you got hospitals, some of them function, some of them don't, but uh, there's no way to get around because these, these roads are closed and, um, and it's very, it's a very difficult situation. And the president actually asked for international help, which is a big deal. And so the UN and the U S and Canada, Mexico or some of the players that are trying to figure out a way to, to develop a, a multinational force to go down there and kind of reestablish some sort of order um, and to help the Haitian national police kind of because they're, they're outgunned by the gangs right now. And so, wow. Yep. So the, the yeah, so the gang, the gangs are running things. Yeah. And the gangs are supported by 
uh, mostly Haitian Americans that are living in America and are sending down the guns and the money. And so that was another step that the UN and the U.S. took was they're freezing their assets, um, making it more, more difficult to fund this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other side of that is like we send money down for payroll and for food and for everything every month. And uh, the service we use just set a limit of, you know, $999 per transaction. And now we... I don't know if it's nationally or, or if it's, <clears throat> sorry, uh, the bank in Moe, but which is where we work, uh, but they're only open three days a week now, um, and there's a $500 daily limit withdrawal, so uh, that says they're worried about financial collapse and people trying to pull their money out, what money they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult situation, and there's no quick fix for it, but something's got to give it's it's interesting for most of us we have no con- conception of uh, that kind of chaos uh, the, our lives are you know okay we complain about stuff but our lives are pretty orderly yeah and uh, with all kinds of uh safety nets around us but when you get to uh, a a place like uh where Haiti is right now currently um it's I'm, most of us just have never experienced that and for you being down there again a little when this began and then kind of keeping up on things how would you be even begin to describe what it's like to live day to day as a haitian under these conditions well, it's most well it depends on where you are if you're in the country it's still pretty quiet um if you're mm-hmm. out in the the mountains um but if you're in any sizable town when these lockdowns are going on it's just it's a war zone and it's um just gunfire all day, mm-hmm. burning tires, people getting robbed, and um, yeah, it's just a lot of <laughs> a lot of trauma, I guess, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just people being raised in it. Yeah, For, of the other Christian groups I've known that have gone down there, they have said some version of uh, the minute you kind of step off of the plane and you're in Haiti that you. That you that you get a sense of the of the spiritual uh, opposition, uh, the mm-hmm. the spiritual battle that's kind of taking place. Did you can you say you've experienced that as well? I think it's probably just the smell of burning plastic. <laughs> well, it could be that could be it too. The uh, is that what Satan smells like? Yeah, it's just I, a sulfur, you know. Yeah, well, there you go. It's the sulfur. Uh. No, I know exactly what they're talking about, and it's uh, it's hard to describe. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just a heaviness, and it's, you know, I still don't know what I think about voodoo, but I but I know it's I know it's something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think that uh, witch doctors can shape shift into animals at night and come into your house, mm-hmm. as some believe. Yeah, um, but but there is something to it and there is a uh, um yeah a, a deep devotion to it in that country yeah yeah well you know one of my things as a, just as a bible teacher it's like we you know we know that the bible talks about spiritual forces we know that mm-hmm. you know and throughout most of history people have had their own personal gods that they worshiped that and and i think i think we're kind of deluded if we think well they just uh, followed these gods and these customs without any reason to follow them that yeah like, like there isn't some demonic power behind 
uh, these gods and these mm-hmm. uh, these activities. I mean, is that it? Just seems kind of weird to think that they would just make up a god when there was nothing. You know, they've never done anything observable. Observable. Yeah. Uh, like like the the devil and the forces of evil in the in the world could do. Yeah. Is that is that the sense that you get it as well? Um. Yeah. Like they've seen real stuff. Yeah. They're not making it all up. Yeah, I would agree, and I. Uh, I don't really know. I don't really know what that looks like exactly, but I mean, there's. If it, if it wasn't doing something, then people would quit doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I. I mean, that's what it seems like to me, and yet yeah. there there seems to be such a stronghold of these old customs and patterns, and uh, and this and then this spiritual battle. Um, what brings you when you're down there? Because I know you, when in the past you'd go for down there for lengthy periods of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what kind of stoked your hope and your uh, belief that it's it's actually you no know, it's 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 important to be there. It's worth being there. Uh, the the needs down there are all very real and genuine. Um, here when you might have, you know, there's people who just go through the phone book and start calling churches or agencies and they're trying to get scrounge up some money for whatever and you can get a little cynical and uh but down there it's like somebody asks you for money for food like they need it um or medicine or or whatever um so first you know your a real difference is being made um but we're, we're really passionate about keeping families together there and so there's a major orphanage industry um where it's almost like charter schools where where parents will send their kids off to an orphanage because they'll be fed and educated there. Mm. Um, but they won't be parented. Um, and I, I don't want to make a total overarching statement about orphanages. There are some good people that are doing uh, great things with, with children's homes. But there's also a lot of people making a lot of money off of orphans. Um, and so with our job creation, the main goal with that is to, to hire parents so they can afford to feed and educate their kids and keep the family unit together. So stronger families, stronger communities, stronger communities, yes, stronger country. Um, so yeah, so that's being able to provide those jobs and, uh, our kids at the well program down there, actually, you know, we've got kids that come over and we teach them and feed them. And, um, that's another way where, you know, some families are getting four to five meals a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to add a few a week to that family, is is huge and takes some stress off of the parents um and allows hopefully some money to be spent on other things that are definitely still needed and not on on that rice and beans so yeah yeah let's take another break when we come back um we'll flip the script a little bit here um i want to finish up a couple of things on haiti but then we'll talk more about uh some things that are happening in on the new horizon for uh, jacob's well sound good Perfect. All right. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Talking with Mark Thornton here from Jacob's Well. And you are listening to The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back to Friendly Fire Saturday. Talking with Mark Thornton from Jacob's Well. And uh, we were talking about your work. Again, you're doing work in the neighborhood here and and uh and uh the urban setting in lincoln and then uh, uh mirrored by some stuff down in haiti and in particular though 
there were there were a lot more ministries going on down there until this this bloodshed and and yeah i don't know what you'd call it uh it isn't martial law it's like the opposite of martial law whatever yeah the, 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 it's chaos it's chaos <laughs> and so there what have you been able to reestablish and that you can that you can still do now uh even under these conditions um you know a lot of a lot of people are just locked down in place um in fact we don't have any uh Americans down there right now it's just all of our our Haitian staff are running things mm-hmm. um Americans I know they're still there um are are pretty much hunkered down unless they're out in the country and then their lives are, are more normal mm-hmm. um especially if you've got solar solar panels and, and stay off the grid with that mm-hmm. um and like our water we have a gosh I don't even know what it's called but it's uh it uses different layers of dirt and sand and all this stuff to, to, to purify the water. So mm-hmm. we're set um, with that, which is good to, good to have in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what we're doing right now is basically all we can do. And so we're still feeding the kids um, and still teaching. But the other things we were doing, we had to just shut down. Mm-hmm. So, so there, I mean, other than some kind of political solution where there's stability again, it's going to be, kind of tough to get back up to full speed yeah uh i would say impossible um when i first went down there there was a very strong un presence um and that brings its its own baggage with it um but when there were issues there would be a big armored truck that would show up and the issues would be gone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh those big armored trucks aren't around anymore they so that's kind of when it all got amped up was was after the UN pulled out and uh, a lot of those big guns left with them and yeah. As an American down there, did you feel safe? Um, Until the end, maybe, or for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get desensitized to it—the gunshots and the the guns being pointed at you and the. Uh, I wasn't fluent, fluent in the language, which is probably good for me in certain times. I didn't know exactly what was being said. Yeah. We would say, I understand your tone, but yeah. <laughs> that's, that's universal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, there was, yeah, for the most part, I felt safe. Yeah. 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 As you, uh, I know that in the past, when you go down there and come back, there's always a little bit of a tr- uh, transition to just to come back mm-hmm. and just to kind of process what it was like to be there and then what it's like to be back and and also just some of the stuff that we let's face it we complain about a lot of nonsense and yeah <laughs> yep. and you just and, it, and, you, and you've had this kind of clarifying experience down there about how simple life can be and then you come back here is it is it hard just to adjust to the nonsense that we that we struggle with that we fuss about you know, it was. You get to a point where you just kind of understand that uh, you have a perspective that not many people around you have, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you're having a moment, <laughs> you just just walk away. <laughs> just <laughs> just walk away. You know, and it's uh, it's. I think of the scripture where, I, and this is a paraphrase. Maybe you know what it exactly is. This is the Mark version. Uh huh. Uh, we're basically, you know, God's saying for some people, this is a sin, but for some people it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at that the way I look at Haiti, where 
I've been there. I've seen it. I've understood it. I've, well, I don't understood it, but, um, I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me to, to not do something would be a sin. Mm -hmm. Um, I would be held accountable for that because I am aware of it. Um, but most people I know aren't. And so, uh, and I, and I can't expect them to be accountable to that because they don't know, they don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, and so just grace and understanding, um, that people, they, they, they don't know what's going on and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that does make sense. I, you know, I remember I was, I was well into my late thirties before I had ever seen third world poverty. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and it just, for me, I, I would, well, I mean, you look around and again, we have relative poverty in our, in our city and we yeah. understand that. And, but, but even, uh, I mean, to be perfectly candid, even, the, even a homeless person in Lincoln, Nebraska has more resources than a lot of the people around the world. Yeah. And we don't even, and again, not that I, not that that makes it okay. And not that we should just, you know, say, well, see, everybody's, you know, I, that's not my point, but just my point mm-hmm. is that our relative wealth is something that's really, really, even now it's hard for me to appreciate that I live at a standard of living. We both do at a standard of living that most of the world would say, wow, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yep. Uh, and, and it's just easy to take that for granted. It is. It's a, and it's, you know, I haven't been to Haiti in a couple of years because of all the violence and, uh, some other stuff, but you know, I lived there and I, and I still forget about it. You know, mm-hmm. there's, it's something about our, our, our ability to adapt as humans and like, um, you know, I always say like, well, I live next to, uh, the mountains and the ocean down there and it's, you know, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And then six months later, it's just, yeah, you know, you're used to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I feel like it's the, the same way when you leave, you kind of just ease back into your new surroundings and, um, so yeah. Yeah. We all have short memories, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Uh, we're going to take a little break. Then we come back. Uh, it is time for a shameless plug. So, I don't know. You got anything to plug? You think oh, yeah. about that. Okay, I will. Think about that during the break. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Talking with Mark Thornton here from Jacob's Well. Glad to have you along on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Talking with uh, Mark Thornton here from Jacob's Well. And, Mark, it is that time of the program we always do a shameless plug. So, uh, plug away. What do you think? All right. Well, we've got uh, tomorrow, actually, Sunday the 30th. Um, we got Trunk or Treat down in down in the neighborhood. So we're blocking off 18th Street between H and G, and got a bunch of cars that are going to pull up and decorate their trunks and hand out candy to the kids. So uh, in a very safe environment. That's awesome. You know, I've never, uh, tr- okay, true confession, our kids grew up before Trunk or, trunk or Treat became a thing, and mm-hmm. so I don't know that I've actually ever literally been a part of a Trunk or Treat. Yeah, I feel like uh, Pinterest is the reason for trunk or treat. And it's like everyone trying to out decorate each other and, you know, with their costume themes and almost some people do like carnival games in their trunk and it's a whole thing. Yes. 
There, uh, so, but, but it isn't just that you have candy in your trunk. You're supposed to decorate your trunk. Yeah. So make it look really scary kids. Scary or whimsical. Maybe <laughs> we try to try not to be too spooky, <laughs> but then we also do like uh hot dogs and, um, hot chocolate. And yes. So it's, it's a good event for, for everybody. There's something for everybody. You know, we were at ninth and D we, we used to do. October 31st is also Reformation Day. It's the day that Luther, you know, pounded his 99 theses on the door. Okay. We would have a, you know, we were very, very Christian. We had a, had a Reformation Day party instead of a trunk or treat or Halloween party. And, Do you just and nail things party, on your neighbor's doors? You know, they were, we, yeah. Is that wrong? <laughs> That's, that seemed, well, so. Here's so, the candy I want. I'm just going to so, nail it right here. <laughs> we would have kids come into the worship hall and have only candles, you know, so it looks a little spooky. And then one of the pastors would tell them about Martin Luther. <laughs> and it's a classic bait and switch. It was the worst. I'll never forget one kid. He was very disappointed. He came out and said, that wasn't very scary. <laughs> I thought, well, actually, if you knew Martin Luther, he, I bet he could be kind of scary. Yeah. You know? He'd at least uh, have some good comebacks. And what's What was that website you... Oh... Yes, uh, Luther. Uh, Lutheran insulter or whatever. Yes, it's a, the <laughs> Google Lutheran insulter, and uh, and it just it'll just it'll give one of Luther's a quote from one of his writings. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then at the bottom, there's a tab that says "insult me again," and you click on it, it just goes through another insult. And so he was. Uh, I think I can say this on radio. That was this is a true Luther quote. I understand. He says, "When the devil oppresses me." I fart on him. And that's and that, you know. That's why we love Luther. That's oh. that's just so. Earthy. And thus began a movement. Thus began a movement. And so there, I, I sometimes wonder if Luther were alive today, if he'd fit in the Lutheran Church, because I, you know what I'm saying? He was pretty earthy. Probably one of them. Yeah, but it's got to be one somewhere. Yeah. Yes, that's true. There's a lot of different Lutheran churches out there. He'd he'd find one. Um, hey, uh, we just in this last segment, it's kind of a potpourri for 500. Which, by the way, uh, is a baby boomer reference to, uh, very, we're going to talk about random things that I just want to talk about. I did this with somebody your age or younger, and they're like, what in the world are you talking about potpourri for 500? What does potpourri have to do with anything? But you know what I'm referring to, right? I Maybe. I don't know. I think of a game show. Yeah. Okay. Is it like $10,000 pyramid or something? Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Okay. Jeopardy. Potpourri for 500. So it's a mishmash. Um, I need you to tra- interpret something for you. You know, the Bible says, well, there's a tongue, there must be an interpretation. <laughs> and for all the baby boomers like me, uh, without getting into the right and wrongs of, of what uh, Kanye West believes in, there all this talk about Kanye West and his, his influence. If you're my age, you barely even know who a Kanye West is. But if you're your age or younger, uh, tell me why, not not about what he believes, but but why Kanye West is a significant uh, a figure in the music entertainment world. Um, he is one of the uh, the best hip hop producers of I don't know, the last twenty years, mm. um, maybe twenty five. Uh, that's how he got his start, and then became a, a solo artist and very successful with that. Um, I've actually seen him a few times in concert, mm-hmm. and uh, so personally, uh, have been a fan. Um, and then lately, he uh, has greatly expanded his, I mean, he's a fashion industry guy. And, I mean, that's how he became a billionaire. Mm. It wasn't through music. It was, it was shoes. Mm. 
freaking six hundred dollars shoes that he sells, uh, or white T-shirts for like one hundred and fifty dollars. Well, hey, who doesn't want to spend one hundred fifty bucks <laughs> for a white T-shirt? Yeah, but uh, yeah, and he's also just very outspoken and suffers from mental illness, and so has some of his uh, his rants get very ranty, and he gets lots of publicity, and obviously the whole Kardashian marriage, and mm-hmm. so very wide reach, um, millions, mm. millions of people looking or. I don't know about anymore, mm-hmm. um, but a year ago, millions of people looking to him for <laughs> yes. for music, for fashion, for for a lot of stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're if you're again if you're an old guy like me, you're like okay, I've heard the name. In fact, he did he open for you two once? Would he have been a guy? Yes, that, I believe so. I think that's the only. I actually did see him then. No way. Yeah. That was his first album. It was one of them. I was. I think it was an Omaha concert or something or. They, I remember you two did play there, but yeah, I, I, I could have swore. I'll have to look it up now. That I, but I thought, and at the time I was like, well, I kind of know who this guy is. And the crowd, they definitely, you know, the younger crowd knew. That is the, that's the bane of the U two concerts is you get, yeah. <laughs> you get old and young alike, all who are having very different experiences. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but, but a lot of people, again, older people like me, would say, well, who cares what the guy thinks if he's a, I, you know. He may be a kook. He, I don't know, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but he, uh, yeah, he's what, uh, what he's what the kids call an influencer, right? An influencer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What uh, did what the whole influencer concept? What uh, what does that entail then? That just people they just look to him and they listen to him. They want to wear clothes like him, or what is all of it? Yeah, all of it. I mean, essentially, it's like, I mean, you had it in the 70s with, like, the Tiger Beat magazine and all that stuff. That was the, it's just a way of getting stuff out there and selling it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might have, you know, somebody posting for or, you know, a picture, and then they've got a can of Pepsi in the corner. Well, mm-hmm. that's not for nothing. Like, Pepsi <laughs> probably paid $50,000 to have that can in the corner uh-huh. of some random celebrity's photo. Mm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, each, each of those Instagram posts are worth thousands of dollars if you have enough followers. Wow. But I was just thinking of, um, I think most people probably don't realize, but a good, a good part of the background music at Husker football games is Kanye West music. That's what I heard. <laughs> it's uh, it's mostly just beats that he made or like, uh, instrumental tracks mm-hmm. from his albums. But Yeah. Well, yeah, somebody said that, uh, like, Creighton now is not going to, at their basketball games, they won't play any more Conway, uh, Kanye West uh, bumps. Yeah. Because they're coming in and out of timeouts and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, but he gets money when they do that, right? As far as I know, yeah. Yeah. Depends on his record deal, but. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, especially at a venue like that, I don't, they're probably not using stuff for free, right? Yeah. No. So he's he's going to take a hit here. Oh, he already has. In fact, yesterday, he, uh, well, Adidas finally cut ties with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he evidently he went in to, to meet with Skechers mm. unannounced and was asked to leave immediately. <laughs> so Skechers kicking you out. That's not a good look. <laughs> that is not a good look. I'm, a, I'm just thinking Skechers isn't quite in the same league as Adidas, is it? Not at all. Well, yeah. not not in my opinion, but yeah. I'm a yeah. I'm a flip-flops guy. So Well, there you go. That's right. That's right. Just a couple of minutes left. I know you you are a music guy. Uh, are you playing? Have you doing anything? Any more performances or things on the on the horizon? 
you know, nothing, nothing out and about. We are doing a, uh, this spring we did a karaoke-thon for Give to Lincoln Day with Jacob as well. Ah. And uh, coming this December, look for it, folks. We're doing a, a Christmas karaoke-thon. Uh, Going to do a little live stream program out of Capital View Studios, nice. which is our garage. Oh, there you go. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, but that'll be a lot of fun. Get Bring in some friends and mm. sing some Christmas carols, read some Bible stories. So, and and your dad's gonna dress up like Santa Claus. That is the word on the street. <laughs> but we'll we'll see if it happens. We got to find a good a good outfit first. Yes, yes. I and mean, we probably we probably gonna need some matching gifts to like coax him. Yeah. Into that. That's uh. Isn't have you seen this commercial with John Hamm as Santa Claus? Yes. That I mean, he's yeah. changing the game. He is changing the game. That sculpted beard. That's right. That's right. I think. I, I think your dad would be a better Santa than John Hamm. So I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I a little so. twinkle in that eye. Oh, oh he's got a twinkle, <laughs> and uh, the rosy cheeks, That's right. and the whole the whole deal. Uh, your mom, I, your mom is Mrs. Claus. I don't know. Haven't we haven't talked about that? I'll tell you what. We need to we need to put some money in the pot to make that happen. You know, everyone's got a price. <laughs> Everyone does have a price. Hey, thanks for popping in today, Mark. Uh, it's, uh, I just appreciate uh, what you do. Thanks for having and, me over. Uh, yeah, and I think it just also always inspires people to think about uh, this is what happened to you. It can happen to other people, too. They wake up one day and say, hey, I think God made me to do more than just sit around and, and to do something meaningful. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad for what you do. I appreciate you saying that. All right. I leave you saying, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. I'll see you next week.